here we go with another great Achieving Reality the podcast interview. This time we have acting great Mr. Charles Green. He has had a great and varied career. Today, he takes this time out of his shooting schedule to sit with the boys and talk about himself. It's an interesting life he's led and met an amazing group of folks along the way with it. So, like always, sit back, grab a naughty one, and take a listen to the next Achieving Reality the podcast. See you at the end. Fine, you guys. You've been busy. Busy as hell. <laughs> but it was nice to be, you know, not not to have to memorize something for a month. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll take that back. I was actually memorized something, and then it, it keeps getting canceled. I'm, I'm doing a short film that. It's not one of ours. Apparently, it's very short. <laughs> it's very yeah. The problem is that there's some outdoor shoots, and every time they schedule it on a weekend, we've had weather like this. Yeah. So. What are you up to now? We've got like. All these credits are flowing in. Yeah, you brought us this thing that makes us look like we don't know what we're doing, you know, <laughs> which isn't difficult. And this isn't complete, is it? Uh, no, that's that's fairly complete, I think. Why? Because I was looking on IMDb. Yes. You got like five upcoming projects, according to IMDb. Well, well, quite a few of those are are, are upcoming. Um, like like several of them are going to be hitting like oh, in the that's spring. Cool. I didn't see that. Um, the nice guys that I, that I did with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. It's not hitting until 2016, so it's wow. even further. Yeah, we're out. very disappointed you didn't bring them along to the show. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, that's, I thought and, you were tight, man. And I shot that on Halloween, and so I had a Halloween party, and several friends, you know, wanted me to bring them to the party, but they had to stay on the set and continue shooting. Sure. Yes, they had to work. They had to continue. It was a night shoot, so the obvious question is, what's it like working with these guys? Um. Well, it, I guess it's you know it's it's different with each one. Like with the, I, I, I don't know much about I don't know much about Ryan Gosling, but anytime I mention the name around a, a female, yeah, they go, they know squeal. all about him. Yeah, they 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 totally squeal. Yes, except um, for this one. Even Linda said, "Yeah, I know who he is." Yeah. Um, well, the film "The Nice Guys" it takes place in the seventies. So first, right, we're all. By the way, it. the costume that you was that oh, like, yeah. I I you had that on. I went, holy crap! It's. I remember that. Yes, 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 yes. That was, I, I think, the sweater they put me in with the, the, the leather on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I had that in the late 70s at one <laughs> point. When I, the second I put it on, I went... You didn't bring that one out of your own closet? No, believe it or not. Just, I actually got rid of that. Hey, there it is. <laughs> um, what was my brother costume designing on this one? <laughs> and, and those sort of seafoam green um, polyester pants oh, they yeah. had on oh, me. Oh, yeah. They fit me like a glove. <laughs> didn't, oh I mean, gosh. and they're the kind of beltless kind that you kind of... Fit me like a glove. It was like perfect. So then they got to those white patent leather shoes, and and I put because them the on, shoes. and they were about us with the buckle on the side. Star they were Wars. about one size too small for me. Ooh, but they were, they looked so cool. I went, I will suffer for my art. Yeah, I will deal with it. <laughs> I was in. To- I, I really expected after the shoot to take those those shoes off and, and go uh, and find blood. No, I really did. It really was by, the entire scene. I'm standing up. Right. So. Uh, but anyway, so getting getting back to work with them, um, in, in this particular scene, it's it's it takes place on a street in Burbank, California, which, of, of course, I was not in Burbank. Burbank I was yeah. over by Turner Stadium uh, on a side street, and um, that looks like Burbank. <laughs> and the two of them are are, are in a car, and they come careening around the corner, and and uh, 
Russell Crowe jumps out and he's asking me about the allocation of an apartment building they're looking for, which is very key because it's a mystery. So, um, and spoilers, uh, yeah, and, and I'm I'm walking my dog, and so we could get you a dog. He's basically yelling at me across the street about this, and I'm yelling back at him. Oh, that that then that's been long gone. You know, they tore that long ago. And I'm walking this foofy little dog, which was a, uh, what is it, a King Spaniel? Oh, a, uh, King Charles, uh, King yes. Charles Spaniel, yeah. Yes, yes. And that dog had a bigger trailer than me. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, done, he's done a lot of commercials. He's, you know, he's he's he's, he's a commercial TV film dog. He so, doesn't know it. So. <laughs> but what I thought was really oh, cool. Now, Harry's been in, what, two movies? And he knows it. Harry's a goofball anyways. <laughs> But the, but the funny thing was is when they, they took me to the set, I noticed they actually had a stand-in for me because they were setting up the shots. Oh. So they had this older guy standing in for me, and they had a plastic dog. <laughs> <laughs> at first I thought, is that a real dog? And I said, no, they had a plastic dog and had him on the leash. It's like they, our cat outside. They yeah. needed to, Yeah, so they needed to set up the shots, so I actually it did take a... A photo of my my stand-ins, the dog stand-in. So that's funny. It was gruffy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean a movie. So so I can't say I really had any because I was across the street from them. I really never had any uh, interaction with with the two of them other than just yelling across yelling the across the lines. When I did uh, kidnapping Freddie Heineken, uh, shot that back in November, which that's coming 2013. out 2013. That's coming out. Yeah, that's coming out. I want to say in March. And there I have a one-on-one scene with Anthony Hopkins. That's just super cool, by the way. Yeah, cool. and, and that one, I'm... I'm I know Sir our, our Anthony Sir Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. I know when I read that post on Facebook that you had made about it, I mentioned something to Susan, because Susan was sitting across, yeah, just across from me. She's like, oh my yeah. goodness. That was much more intimate, because I, I am a British reporter. I'm doing a British accent in front of Anthony Hopkins. Which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about pressure. <laughs> But, they have an American doing a British accent. Right, right. Well, have, look how well, we, we might as well flop the. Flip the <laughs> really, right? I'm tired of all these Brits coming here with these British <laughs> American taking accents, our, taking our roles. Who do you so, think you are speaking uh, English? Fair's fair. No, we hired a Brit to play Nixon. Yeah, <laughs> and he did a good job too. Mm-hmm. That's a sad thing. <laughs> and, and one played Lincoln too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because well, you know none of us were around to hear Lincoln. That's true. <laughs> But I don't think he, he talked like Daniel Day-Lewis. No. In his regular well, voice. they did say that he had a high-pitched voice. Yeah. But not a British voice. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but he's... I, I don't know. That Daniel Day-Lewis kind of gives me the creeps. Really? You've heard about the gangs in New York. He did gangs in New York? Yeah. Yes. He went and did like six months of research about how people spoke back then. Yeah. And they generated this whole dialect for him. I mean, it's like that's a lot of detail to put into something that... We as the audience are going to say, he's talking funny. <laughs> want to get it just right, man. And in Lincoln, he stayed in character the entire time. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but with Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> the scene is, is he is, the, the film Kidnapping Freddie Heineken is is based on a true story. It's based on the um, Heineken beer air. I was about to say, the, the, the name sounds familiar. So. Yes. And back in the mid 80s, he was, he lives in Amsterdam, or lived in Amsterdam, he's now deceased. Um, he was kidnapped. He and his driver were kidnapped and held for ransom by four bumbling Miller. kidnappers that had never done anything like this before. And um, I'm interviewing him after the ransom is paid and he's been released. So he's Heineken. Yes, he's Freddie Heineken. He's the lead. And so um, 
I'm interviewing him after he was released about his ordeal. Uh, yeah, I, we, I was supposed to be in Amsterdam, but they shot it in New Orleans. Uh, they actually shot it like that would kind of work. Maybe a half mile from the French Quarter, maybe maybe a mile from the French Quarter, oh. in kind of an industrial warehouse area, because there they had converted a. It looked like it was like a former supply depot or something. It was just a big barn, and and they did all their interior shots in there. And I was told originally that my scene was going to be like sort of like a David Frost kind of interview, you know, mm-hmm. in a studio. And I got there, and they went, "Oh no, we've changed our mind. It's going to be an outdoor scene." And sure enough, as I'm driving up, they are constructing on, on a, a side street there, right outside the little warehouse, a townhouse facade, like something you would find in Amsterdam. Right. And that was his house. I guess they had reproduced it. I don't know what they'd done. But anyway, so he comes walking down the steps, and we actually had the interview right there at the steps of his his, uh, his apartment house or his, his That's wild. So, and, but in that case, they took a little while to set up. So he did, you know, I, I thought, okay, it's Anthony Hopkins. And I thought, just don't freak out right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're one of the greatest living. You know, I, I kept saying to myself, this is your character is, you're a British reporter, you're interviewing him, you know, you're getting a scoop on this. So, so for me as an actor, you just need to stay in character and understand that you're a British reporter. He's Freddie Heineken. He's been kidnapped. And, and as long as you, keep that in perspective and just forget about the cameras and everything else around you, then you could do the job you need to do. But anyway, so we had a little bit of downtime and so I didn't want to speak first because I didn't know what his personality was like. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if he didn't want to be talked to. So he spoke to me first, actually. You might get that a lot. Probably so. So he, he broke the ice with me. And, um, you know, um, I think I said Sir Hopkins or something. He goes, oh, no, Tony. Oh wow! So so we're we're on first name, you know, mm-hmm, basis mm-hmm, Tony. Wow! And um, so he he um, he said he says so. Do you live in New Orleans? And I said no, I live in Atlanta. And he goes, oh yes, I was in Atlanta last summer shooting Solace, which never came out. Yeah, S O L A C E Solace. I don't I don't know. I don't heard of that. Yeah, sounds familiar. Oh, it's because of this year. I think. Oh, there you go. Because of this year with Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell. Oh, okay. Shot here, so. So why didn't we get him on the show too? Yeah, I don't know. So, so then I then I said, so you live in Los Angeles, and he looks at me, he goes Malibu, <laughs> <laughs> but he had this little smile on his face, you know, like like Malibu's much nicer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then the director said, okay, we're ready, and so um, we went through the scene. Like he clears his throat, and he's ready to go once, <laughs> once or twice. We did the scene, a back and forth interview, and then. Anthony turned to, or Tony, as he likes me to call him, uh, turned to the director and said, what if I do this for you about five or six different ways? We just run it nonstop. And, and, and uh, so, so of course, the director's not going to say no. This is Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And then he looks at me and he says, are you all right with that? And I said, sure. So sure enough. No. We, we, <laughs> you can't do this. Sorry, man. <laughs> call my agent. <laughs> I want this is not in my contract. <laughs> so, um, Somebody get me a dog. <laughs> my next show, I want to work with a dog. <laughs> so, uh, so he runs it six different times, six different ways. Slight interpretation every single time. And then, um, and I just, I went with it. I went with it. Uh, and then one, he's got one line, which I love the line. 
Uh, I, I say to him, you know, if, if there's anything you could say to the kidnappers, because they're still at large at this point in the show. And I said, is there anything you could say to the kidnappers, what would it be? And he's supposed to say to me, you can run, but you cannot hide. So he said to the director, he says, I want to say that directly to the camera. I'll and break so he, the fourth wall kind break, of thing. Well, because it's a, you know, obviously right. there's a camera on us. Mm-hmm. And so he looked at the camera and said it. And, I, and when he said that, I went, oh my, that's the money shot. That That is going to be in the film. I just know it. And sure enough, in the trailer, though I'm not in the trailer, near the end there's a voiceover of Anthony Hopkins saying, you can run, but you cannot hide. And it's very interesting when you, you read a script, you go, that's the line. That's going to be the takeaway. Yeah. So I'm confident because they're using that line in the um, in the trailer that it's my scene will not be will not hit the editing floor. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. It was a great experience. I mean, it, it literally only lasted maybe 30 minutes. So, and the screenwriter was there. I got to meet the screenwriter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't Who's, always show up. That's it, kind it, of a, a thing with Hollywood. Some people like having a screenwriter there, and some people absolutely hate having a screenwriter there. He stays. They want to make the character of their I own. I think it's a, a well. No, I think the Writers Guild is pushing to have oh the writers screenwriters on set. Mm-hmm. But a lot of directors don't like that because then when they want to make changes, the screenwriters get very upset mm-hmm. because you're not. Well, well, the screenwriter, he's co-screenwriter. Uh, he actually wrote the book that this is based on. Oh, he cool. is a, um, a journalist that's uh, very, very popular in, in the Netherlands. So he was there with his wife and his son and an entourage of people. And um, also, I have to say two of the kidnappers' names, uh, Corvin Hout and... Um, Ugh, I'm forgetting the name of the other one. And I, I went back up to to his wife, the, the co-screenwriter's wife, and I said, I just want to make sure I'm going to pronounce these right, since they're Dutch. So she, you know, said, yeah, that sounds good. I said, good. Uh, in fact, when I auditioned for the role, I um, you, you audition on tape a lot. And when I saw those two names, I actually Skyped with my friend in Amsterdam. And, and got he knew the characters. He knew, I mean, he knew these two kidnappers. And so I got the pronunciation down. So I said, if nothing else in this audition, they're going to go, okay, he's not right for the role, but damn, he got those names. <laughs> now he can teach whoever we got doing the role. <laughs> That's right. I think an ADR to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, it was, it was a great experience. So the, the screenwriter is probably there as technical consultant, too, since he's so familiar with what's with the um, right. case as well. Right. And and then I had another case where um, I, I shot last um, last fall. Skip would be mad at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm facing away from the microphone. Oh. Yeah, the, the co-screenwriter in that particular case, he stayed out of the picture. He, he stood up on the hill. However, when I shot American Genius, which is coming out in the spring, it's going to be a mini-series, right? Yes, it's a National Geographic mini-series. And it's, is it, it on the Nat Geo channel or is it going to be on a regular channel? Nat Geo channel. Oh. <laughs> You don't get Nat Geo, do you? No. It's eight episodes, and in each episode, they, they, they concentrate on what they consider to be an American genius. And and the one that I'm oh, in... I'll be on with that. <laughs> Something like Edison. And oh, right, 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 right. And, and in my particular one, it's all about the space race. Oh, cool. And um, It's my favorite one, too. Come on. And they actually concentrate a lot on Werder von Braun. Oh wow! Do you know <coughs> yeah, I don't know. not exactly an American genius. But well, he became an American genius. He became an American. Yes, uh, after a little bit of a suspicious controversy there. Yes. No. Yes. Um, anyway, still an interesting subject though. Very interesting mm-hmm. subject. Um, so, in my particular scenes, I had about eight <laughs> scenes in this. Um, 
I am the uh, the boss of the young man who takes Werner von Braun's original designs and develops them into what what actually became for the Apollo. Oh, cool! Yeah, because because <laughs> Werner von Braun's um, designs there were a few flaws in them, and he he acknowledged that, which is why all their tests blew up. Right. So 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 I'm the supervisor for the young guy that eventually does make it successful. Lab coat and everything. Uh, did we have lab coats? No, no. We were in little white shirts, you know, little oh, white okay. short sleeve shirts yeah. and little thin ties. And um, but anyway, crew cuts. No, thank God. Every time no. I think of something like that, I think about uh, the Harris and the Paul yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in that particular case, talk about a, a a writer being involved. We shot like one day. We shot like five scenes in a row, and we would rehearse it. And I swear it was just like out of a comedy. Suddenly, this little guy who never introduced himself to us would come from somewhere out of the netherworld after we did the rehearsal Europe. Europe and he would have these two little pieces of paper in his hand and he would like sheepishly come up and give it to one actor and give it to me and I'm like I think I know what this is and I open it up it's a rewrite like on the spot oh wow and the director goes okay well let's rehearse this once and then shoot it <laughs> okay. so, so and, and the thing was it was the gist of what we had said before but it was really written. You know, I, it wasn't enough. the same, exactly yeah. the same words. It wasn't just... exactly the same words, but there's a reason they must have switched it. Yeah. So you pretty much had to memorize it on the spot. So, and this happened. I'm assuming with National Geographic, it's, a, it's an accuracy thing. They're trying it's, to get it is an accuracy. They yeah. are so specific about, you know, being accurate. Well, you got it. You got it. I mean, well, it's you, history. If you go, I think Dances with Wolves is an example. Um, <laughs> there's a scene where um, the guy was on Murphy Brown, the. Um, and Kevin Costner in a scene, and they used the word celebrity. Mm -hmm. And people gave him crap about it because that wasn't really a commonplace term back in that day. It's probably the mm -hmm. same Probably so. There probably was some lingo in there that was not a 1962 lingo. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. And they catch it and they're like, oh, yeah. crap. So they did, it was like, then we get to the next scene. We, we, we rehearse it, and this little person would come out from nowhere. And I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. The lucky was just like, and so, and so pretty much every time, first time, I was proud of myself that I could memorize so quickly. But, you got one up on me. But then it got to the fifth scene, and they had added a monologue for me. Oh, they pulled a me. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we ran it once and then we tried to shoot it about three times and I just I kept stumbling on the line and so fortunately it was lunchtime so the director just said Let, let's break for lunch just so while everybody else was having lunch I was in the corner like memorizing the scene but that's where a writer was too involved <laughs> I mean, <laughs> unfortunately though in a case like that it is history yeah and they have to get it right mm -hmm. so well this is it, I mean, dramatization of yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not, sure it's not Amistad where they just made up a bunch of crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, and, and Steve and David Entertainment, who, who's producing this, and they, they won Emmy Awards. They won Emmy Awards. Oh, wow. For, for, they did a uh, miniseries called The World Wars. Oh, the, uh, yeah, I saw that. Holy, oh my God. That, so that's who's, that's amazing. The, right. Work. It won Best Costume. Um, the costumes are really cool. In this particular case, obviously, we're all 60s. The set designs were just amazing. They found this old office building, but they managed to pull together props and stuff to make it look like you were actually in a design studio for NASA. And uh, the other interesting thing is, is that, okay, it takes place in 1962, and 
at one point I was we're shooting and I'm thinking, is something on fire? Because I swear we're shooting in fog. And and so later I there's a fog machine and and it's apparently when you shoot with fog, it gives it sort of a nostalgic a diffusion diffusion look. So they it, I don't maybe they do something special in post editing um, with the film or whatever, but it gives it Are a they look. On film or, or HD. Oh, now you're asking too many questions. All I know, there was like two or three cameras, big ass cameras. Yeah, not allowed to answer that. <laughs> They're big ass cameras, you know, one here, one here, you know, it was so always. They had blankets over the cameras. No, they didn't have blankets it's over probably, the cameras. probably HD. Okay. I don't blankets. know how they. I, some, I, sometimes they would use blankets yeah. to cover the motor noise. Oh, 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 oh. Of the, the but film. fog gives it a retro look, apparently. Yeah, I guess I can kind of I can see that, though. Shooting um, Jessica Fletcher through a yeah, thing through of the, gauze. Yeah, through the gauze. Oh, so this will make me look younger? Great. <laughs> no, it's done I'm going to demand fog on all my productions from now on. Well, you can Jason. He did have a fog machine. He just didn't use it. Uh, uh, it wouldn't have really... Well, it would have been good for ground fog, but it was... But we were shooting at such a distance. <clears throat> yeah. We would have had to have somebody run across, run across, run across like four times. Yeah. And then, and, and, and then and, shoot and, the one shot, then have him do it again. And that's a warm <laughs> fog, so it would have risen. <laughs> So it would have been like up and around our heads. So you, if you if you pump it through a cooler that has ice in it, mm-hmm. the fog will stay on the ground. Oh, I, oh, I, I learned a lot of goofy little huh. tricks like that. And it's and what's funny is that he's going to be on a set like sometime in the future, and they're going to have that problem. He's going to tell them, "Hey, if you run it through a yeah, cooler, yeah, cooler. Hey, all you got to do is buy a really cheap cooler, throw a bunch of ice in it, and just pump it through. It's really cool." Yeah, you you you, you no, run. A, you're a genius. Yeah, you, you run a dryer vent. You know the flexible hosey dryer vent, and you run that through, and you and you cut a hole, big hole on the other side, and you, that's where you, the exit is. You fill the cooler with ice. You stick the other side to the the hmm. thing, and you when you gun it, it goes through, and then it stays low on the ground. That's it, because I was I was in a theater production that took place in a graveyard, and they had fog low on the ground, and it stayed low on the ground. Maybe that's what they do. They might have done that, or they might have used dry ice and just oh. blown it. But if you're doing an outside or you have a really big venue to fill with smoke and you don't want the fire alarms going off, yeah. that's what that's you do. Preferable. Oh, okay. you, you fill up, a, you know, one of those just crappy styrofoam coolers. And, How cool. Yeah. It's an educational podcast as well. <laughs> that's right. I have and that to. came out of me. <laughs> that came out of you. <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> I came up with bat gump for heaven's sake. <laughs> and then he'll look like a genius and he'll go, where did I learn this idea from? That's oh, it. those goofballs. Yeah, that mm. I worked with in a four-year-old. I'll conference. keep that to myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so back to uh, our great Charles Green. You did the game for BET. Right, right. I game. don't know what this one is. Okay, BET, Black Entertainment I don't know that. <laughs> that uh, it is a show that I think originally started on Fox for the first couple of seasons, and then it's it's about football players' wives. Okay, then, okay. I do. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it, but I, I I didn't realize that they had moved it to BET. I yeah. thought it was made strictly for. But I think you're right. I think Maybe it did like start the first two seasons. When it's, yeah. Oh, isn't it? Uh, is it in relation to footballers' wives? Mm. Is that a British series? I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna have to cut the opposite. Yeah, well, no, it, it's it's the same idea, but 
But I mean, come on, we kind of like the American version of sort of, kind of. It's it's more like you know you've got a, all those other the wives of LA be, and things. It's not like to be that. confused with that. The, there was a reality. It's not show a reality. It's show. Not a reality. There was a reality, reality, reality show, show about. I don't know if it was football, but it was sports stars wise. There was a reality show. That yeah, happened. this is different. This is a uh, scripted. <clears throat> uh, yes, yes, scripted. Well, no, it's 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 a. I guess it's a drama. It'd be a drama, I guess. Yeah, it's dramedy. dramedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it yeah, dramedy. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of humorous moments. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I've only seen a couple episodes, and unfortunately, you weren't in them. Or I would have been, but or he, when I saw you on set, I'd be like, "Hey." Yeah, no, that this one's another one's coming out in spring. I've got a lot of yeah. stuff hitting in spring, so. But uh, so, what character do you play in the series? Uh, in, in this particular case, I was a reporter at a press conference for uh, one of the lead characters, Michael Pierce, um, who who is a black actor, and he in this in this show he is a coach for a one of the football teams, mm-hmm. and apparently he was caught. Uh, like on a, YouTube, a video or something that I've got on YouTube saying that, that basically players were slaves, that, that they were just traded back and forth. And so, so here's, oh, that be... here's a black, here's a, a black coach calling his players slaves. Yeah. So Cause if that was on NBC, it'd be canceled the next week. Well, no, if that happened in real life, that would be, that would be all over. Oh, it'd be all, over. Be all over and the place. It probably has gotten close to it a couple of times. I, actually, point. I kind of got to hand it to the writers. That's a, that's a good subject. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought when I saw that, I was like, Ooh, that's, that's, that's a really, and I ended up doing, I ended up shooting it around the time that Ferguson was happening. Oh, nice. Yeah, so so it was even. So you couldn't get to work. <laughs> so I thought, wow, this is, this is of course, it's going to hit in spring, but at that time, to me, it was very relevant. And um, yeah. uh, so I'm a reporter, and there's about like 50 people at this press conference, but I'm this reporter that will not leave him alone. You know, I like one of those. Those, you know, I, I, you know, how can you even call your players slaves? I mean, yeah. when is this? Because he's trying to apologize. Uh-huh. You know, like he was. T- it was taken out of context. That's what it was. He says it was taken out of context. And I said, since when is calling your player slaves taken out of context? Right. I mean, when is there a right? And then he he tries to justify and say, well, you know, it, this is common among all coaches in the NFL or whatever. And so then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, yeah. this is common. You know, and well, so let me call Mike Smith. And so, so then his his son, who's his PR person, well, tries to get him off the days and, and say, "Thank you, we're we're done." Yeah. And that's when I I say, "How can you, as a black man, in good conscience, call your players slaves? Uh, are you maybe a racist?" So I actually say that, to him, and then he just goes off on me. <laughs> goes off on me for saying that kind of thing, and which is great because. He now has really exposed himself, truly. Because what I did as as an actor, you know, when you go audition for something, you're given maybe like a page of the script. So so you have to sort of create in your mind what you think that character might be about. Because when you when you're auditioning, if you're giving a sense of history, as opposed to I'm an, I'm an actor saying the lines, they're going to see that in your face. Right. right. Go, wow. He already has a sense of relationship history. So in my sense, my history. I made it for myself what this guy was is that this coach had pissed me off at some time in the past and now I'm out to get him. So I'm going to say some questions to him that's going to push his buttons and he's going to explode and gotcha. So that was that was sort of my motivation as as the reporter 
that I'm going to get your ass. That's actually kind of funny. And, know, the, and the actor goes, Michael Beach, uh, he just, he's terrific. He's just terrific. I mean, he just totally... I'm trying to remember what I've also seen him in. You've seen him in a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I go, I, I always need to look, I always look up the actors on IMDb. Yeah, that's, that's my job. Yeah, he... he so, so that I... Because first off, I like to see who I'm playing. Exactly, with. yeah. And sometimes I will like watch them on YouTube because if I hear their voices, mm-hmm. I kind of understand their rhythms, the way they talk. And that just once I'm with them on the set, it's not as much of a surprise for me. Like when I, um, the last thing I shot in, was in December. It's for a USA Network a show called Complications. It's going to be a medical drama. It's going to start Sounds in the cool. spring. Yes, and I'm praying my 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 character is going to be a recurring role. Um, That'd be cool too. Because I, I'd like to be able to watch that and go, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, because I, I, I play Dr. Nathan Williamson, who's head of the neurology department. You're and pretty neurotic. I'm pretty neuro- neurologically. <laughs> <laughs> But um, oh what one of the leads, um, Laura, played by Lawrence Demille, comes up yeah. and you know she she wants me to come down. She's it's kind of a confrontational scene. Oh, no, but she's she's she's. Um, Is he on she, Love Boat? No, no, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, he played. Look at Michael he B. played To on Sons of Anarchy. Oh, did he? Linda's. Yeah, she, okay. Linda did a crash marathon viewing of every episode of Sons of Anarchy up to the season for this final season. She's in love with Sons of Anarchy. If she finds out you were acting opposite T.O. Oh, well, <laughs> he's, he's, go. he's a very nice guy. So, so anyway, with, with, with Lauren, it was another confrontational scene. And uh, <laughs> I thought, well, who, who is this actress? So, so I looked her up and I went... It's amazing how many confrontational scenes you're getting. Yeah. And I was like, like me with, my, with the, the comedy lines. And I was like, you, <laughs> like you in real life. <laughs> so uh, I looked her up and I was like, oh, wow. She's one of these people that's done like she like, everything. Like, yeah, like she she was a, a major love interest of of McDreamy on um, oh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, and, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, and um, she's confronting me. She's come to my office and said, "Well, apparently I can't get nobody from neurology department knows how to take an elevator to come into the emergency room. I need you to look at this guy." And I said, I'm going, okay, hold on here. What's the symptoms? And so she's telling me, you know, that he's having some dizziness, but neurologically he's intact. And I just think he needs, you know, a brain scan. And I'm like, you know, I got six patients. You really want me to, to, to drop them for somebody who's asymptomatic? And then she's like on me again. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll be down as soon as I finish with this. Okay. And she goes, no, not okay. And she like storms off. So um, in that particular case, when I was doing the audition, I, I, I taped it first. And then they had a live audition with the director. Because they do that sometimes if it's a more important role. Yeah. Also, if they're considering somebody for recurring. That's the other reason I thought this Ooh. might be a recurring. Um, but uh, in that particular case, again, you're only given a one page of dialogue. And so in my mind, I went, okay, I've seen her on YouTube. I know she's younger than me. So let's say I've known her father for years. I've known her since she was a little girl. I know she's impetuous. I know she 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 does spur the moment stuff. This is just another one of her things. So when we did the scene, and now I also heard her voice because I've watched the YouTube of her. Right. I understand the rhythm of her voice, and I. So in my scene, I looked at her as a little girl. And <laughs> my head was, "You're a little girl." So I instantly developed a father daughter relationship with her. And so again, if you establish that as an actor, some sort of relationship that you're showing in it. It sets you out from the crowd. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's more realistic. It's more realistic. It's it gives more it realistic. Depth. So, huh? It gives it more depth. To yeah. The performance. More depth. 
So we sh- we shot that about twenty times because they need to keep changing the, you know, as it is. Yeah, as you know, know and there's all these, and I didn't realize there were all these extras walking down a hall, and I never knew that. Uh, you know, again, I just stay focused on, on her and me, and and just kind of everything else just sort of disappears. But what was really complimentary afterwards was Lauren said. She goes. I was so angry at you. I was so angry at you. And then, and then she said, "You know, I don't have a nemesis on this show." And I went, "I'll be your nemesis. I could be your nemesis." She goes, "That'd be great." So I was, I was laughing because what something he said. Um, you're talking about the extras are just yeah, yeah, background fillers. Linda watches Glee. She's into the Glee. She loves Glee. Okay. And anytime I catch a glimpse of it. The extras bother me so much in that show. That you watch them more than you watch them. <laughs> it's because they'll they'll be in their little practice room doing this spectacular, you know, number with twenty-five people dancing and singing musical instruments. And the extras are walking back and forth beyond the door in the hallway. Not a one of them stops and looks inside. Like, why are these people singing? Like, well, you know why? They're told, don't look inside. I know, I know, but it bothers me that nobody stops and goes, oh, wow, they're pretty good. Or, or, well, you know, it's or like, oh, I wish they'd shut up or anything. <laughs> that would be me. I'd be looking. Because in the game on that press conference, you know, there are like 50 extras in there. So, you know, I'm confronting this guy and they're all quiet. So the director went, okay, folks, if something like this was going on, you'd be like, wow. What's you know? They'd be at least turning around to yeah. look at you, or talk to yeah, yeah. talk to each other, make some sort of noise. So you know, it's, yeah, you're That's right. That's why we're not extras. That's right. Because <laughs> we've well, been stepping away from the extra. No, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be the guy doing, doing right, right. to him. I mean, like, it, wait a minute, on. I mean, it's always, it's always, you know, like, like I was when I did Constantine, uh, which I was on episode December fifth. The extras in that were in a church scene, and and it's it's sort of a revival type of thing happening with snake handlers and stuff. This yeah. one I'm up on. So that that I, I watched one, his scenes actually. Uh, there was a woman in front of me who is in a wheelchair, and she's an extra, and she gets up, and you know he heals her, and she mm-hmm. stands, and she impromptu said hallelujah, <laughs> and the assistant director came over and went, "You will not be able to say that." Because it means we would have to pay you. <laughs> you're going to have to stand up and just shake your hands and don't say hallelujah. So so sometimes, you know, they have to pull the extras back. I think at that years. point in time, I'd look at them and go like, I'll waive my fee this time. It fits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't really get to tell them that. Yeah, true. There's like union rules too about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, union yeah, rules yeah, too. Yeah. If they speak, they get paid. If yeah. they speak, they get paid. I, 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 I know the rules. Sure are movies. Yeah. But we're but, not afraid to just redub actors anyway. Yeah, that's right. They didn't speak. With, you know, background is really the term you're supposed to use to have extras. Is they, yeah. They're pretty, you pretty much don't do anything until the director says, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like the congregation. Right. You don't do anything until you're you're told, you know. You're not going to be the one guy to stand, oh, I love this part, mm. you know. <laughs> Although you could tell that, in fact, I, I could tell there was uh, there was one particular extra who he was working it. He was, he was, he knew exactly where the cameras were and he made sure that when he was doing his thing, everybody, and, and you know what? He ended up practically having as much camera time as I had. It's, it's the guy who during the sporting event is always on the camera. With that's the right. Hat. That's right. You know, the camera. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he knew where that camera was and he was working it. So well, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> 
I, so I, so, I still think. So I need when they when they're auditioning, they give you your page of dialogue. So yeah, usually it's a page. Now, mm-hmm. now if you get two. cast, how much of the script are you? I have the complete to? script. Do you have the complete script? Okay. Yes, yes, and and um, of course, several of those scripts they will revise, but sometimes even daily, you know, and there will be certain different colored sheets in there. Oh, so they do, they go with the different colored sheets. Yes, yes. There's all these, I don't quite understand the difference between blue and golden rod, but somebody listening to this might. Well, I, I mean, I I just say that because I have a script of uh, the Godfather upstairs and it's signed and it's got a couple of dailies in it. But what it was is they just reprinted that page Mm -hmm. and the line that was changed is a different color. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, all right, I guess that works. Yeah, they changed the bell pages now. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, so, it's, no, it's, 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 that'd be better, though, because then you'd know. I mean, the color coding much... system is, is there so you'll know what revision you're on. Right. Yeah. It's like the twist ties on bread. Right. What? Well, if a loaf of bread is made on a Monday, it has one color twist on it. It's made on a Tuesday, it has a different color. And you know this why? Because I read. And you got really interested in bread one week. Yeah. <laughs> but they do the like bread. They do the for script revisions. It's like, they'll, you know. We're on goldenrod, or we're on blue, or we're on. So then you could throw out. And there's an order. Is. There's an order to it. I just don't know what the order is. Yeah. Because I remember seeing some special feature one day that they uh, they made so many revisions they ran out of colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, oh god, we've already hit fuchsia! Holy to, shit! To print them in. And and not only on quite a few of the audition sides, um, but also the, once you get the role and they give you the complete scripts, they have your your name and a date across every single one of the pages mm-hmm. yeah to to watermarked right to ensure like an audition for mocking jay i mean it was like i had to sign my life away just to audition for for it because there's all those fanatics out there that would love to get even a piece of the script even a page of an audition or some, seat. you know somebody leaves like information out. Some more? in fact like like with mocking jay and there was something else they said this is not even the dialogue yeah, they do that for. I've I've actually heard more and more now. The audition that they're doing that at auditions. They just yes. print up something that it's could of, maybe have been said or was like the actual first draft. Right. Like the writer busted it out, and that's what they sold the script with. Right. And then it's been changed like nine times since then, and that's what they've been right, running right, it off right, of. Right. I've actually heard that a lot. Uh, over over it time, reduces the chance of information. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they and did it with the with the original uh, original Star Wars. Huh? When they did the reads, some of them had stuff that wasn't even never even got into the actual um, movies. And then you see the trailers, and you know it's like they filmed a special trailer, and none of those scenes are in Already. the movie. Well, I kind of <clears throat> appreciate that in some. So they're showing yeah. you scenes that tell you what the movie's going to be like without actually showing you right. anything you're going to see when you come in. Well, now... And I mean, sometimes they use a scene in a trailer and it gets cut later. Yeah, yeah right. That's right. I've actually seen a couple of movies. I was like, a couple oh. of them were Jim Carrey movies. And the base of the commercial or the trailer was this funny bit. And then the movie came on and, was and it was there. never in there. And I'm like, that was the funniest damn thing! How would you cut that? Mm. <laughs> and then I was kicked out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Zemeckis trailer is a specific trailer shot yeah. to be the trailer. Yeah. It's, you know, it has, it's not going to be in the movie. Right. But it's spectacular if you get a chance to see it. It's, um, it's called the, the Walk. Have I told you about this? Probably. I saw it at the um, at the IMAX 3D. Oh, this is the one you um, just went and saw The Hobbit? Yeah, I went and see The no, Hobbit. No, he didn't tell me about this then. 
it's about the, the guy who walked the tightrope between oh, yeah, the two yeah. twin towers. Right. It is shot. It is actually shot in 3D, not converted. It's Zemeckis. And that is, uh, what's his name? Joseph Gordon Levitt. Levitt. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's the man. Yes, yes. And it, it starts off with like this is a wireframe. You don't actually know what you're looking at. And then it kind of it shoots up as one of the towers. Yeah. Yes, and it goes, shoots up the tower. And like, it becomes more photorealistic as it goes up. And then everybody throws up. And then when you get to the top, <laughs> the camera swings. <laughs> the camera swings around. And IMAX 3D. Yeah. Native 3D, mm. not converted. Right. Full. And you're looking out over New York City from the wow. top. Wow. That's got to be cool. I was, and I was just like, I am so glad Linda didn't come to this movie. She would have gotten up and left at this point. Because then he walks out on the on the girder. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you see all the mm-hmm. way down. Mm-hmm. And it's spectacular. <laughs> Even though I know it's special effects. But that won't be appearing in the movie. That's something they shot. Right, to sell specifically to sell. But that would sell the movie. But I appreciate it because now I, you know, I'm not going to see something I've seen all the good bits of. Right. right. Boy, oh boy, that man has worked with some amazing people. Mr. Green is also a very personable man. So, don't worry, folks. There's more of Mr. Charles Green to come in the following weeks. So, for Chris, Larry, Harvey, and Mr. Charles Green, I'm Tina saying, Fish, fish, who's got the fish? Come on, man. Seriously? No, I'm fine. Thank you. We have birds in the backyard playing in the water. Again. This episode of Achieving Reality, the podcast, has been brought to you by Ghost Pepper Spray. You love spicy feeds? Are you afraid your house is haunted? You big baby. Well, your products can cover your ass on both of those, buddy! Ghost Pepper Spray! That's right, this pepper spray is so hot, it'll even burn ghosts! That's bleeding hot! So, now, you can protect yourself from that attack, whether living or dead! Ghost Pepper Spray! It's rated at 50 million Scoville units! And then we add a little spark for a burning ball of flame that will destroy anything in its path! Ghost Pepper Stray! So extremely hot, it's scary! Ah! Oh my god! I forgot to wash my hands before scratching myself! Ah! On fire! On fire!